Today I'd like to speak about the power of gratitude. The power of gratitude. Now before you, before you go into sleep mode and say I've heard this before, I want to propose that you haven't. I want to propose that there's more. And I want to propose that gratitude unlocks greatness. And gratitude unlocks breakthrough. And gratitude unlocks the things that you've needed the most in your entire life. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I'm going to start by reading the second book of Timothy, chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can open the second book of Timothy, chapter 3. And I'm going to read from verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of them selfies. <laughs> lovers of money. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Watch this. Having a form of godliness but denying the power. Now, just hold up for a second. Because most of you in this room while I read that list, which by the way sounds like some kind of Facebook newsfeed, 100%, like... Don't tell me we're not in the last days when that's a perfect description of our society. That is a perfect description of our society. There was a time when that wasn't. But now we're in a perfect, that's a perfect description of our society. So check this out. It says in the very last um, section of of verse 5, it says, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. Now watch this. What that last segment means is it's not talking about the world, it's talking about the church. Boom. Because the world doesn't have a form of godliness. Hello? This is talking about the church. Now, I personally believe there's a difference between the church and the bride. Personally. Just personally. Sorry to offend you, but that's my personal belief. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. What that means is you know the language, but you don't have the heart. You know how to talk about God, but you don't know how to walk like him. Okay, are we good? I want to focus on two things that talked about in this list. Number one, unthankful. Men will be unthankful. Number two, they'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure means everything to do with myself. Everything that makes me feel good. You know, there's a whole theology sweeping the body of Christ right now that if you don't feel good about it, you should probably walk away. Yeah, like Jesus walked away from the cross, right? Like Jesus walked out of Gethsemane, right? No. That is a lying devil. I have a job, and my job is to expose the works of darkness. And I really enjoy my job. That's why you see me smiling. It's not fake California smile. That's a legitimate smile of pleasure. I personally think Jesus had a great time. He had a great time walking around banishing darkness. Beautiful. If you're going to do anything, make a... Look, Jesus made a public spectacle of the devil. Do you think he did that with a morbid face? Dude, have you ever seen a champion that looks miserable? Come on, somebody. <laughs> So this is how God described people in the last days negatively. The negative facet of what he would find in the last days. We must discover then the opposite to each one of those attributes that he's talking about. We have to to discover the opposite of each one of those in order to figure out how to please him. Because if he's saying these are the negative things that are going to be in the world, we need to find the opposite of that and be that. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. And few there be that find it. So what that means is we need to find that. That means that you don't look at general society and say, well, if I'm kind of in the middle, then I'll be okay. It doesn't look like that. 
Actually, Christians are, are starting to be despised. Do you know why? Because Christians live, Christians really mean sons and daughters of God. We live by absolutes that God has set. Not because of legalism, but because we want to please our Father in relationship, not out of obligation. There's a difference. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to have fun today. This is going to be so good. So today we want to talk about gratitude. Gratitude is the opposite to unthankfulness. It's the opposite to just being all about myself. Because when you are only consumed about the pleasure of yourself, you're displeased with any discomfort. Are you with me? That's how how God's only ever going to take you through good season type preaching. Gets a lot of people's attention, but it's a lie. Let, Let me quote David for a second. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Well, why would God allow difficult things to happen? Well, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you never went through hard times, you wouldn't have faith because you wouldn't need faith because everything would be easy. And so it's not that God does anything to hurt you, but actually God allows things to strengthen you. Sometimes we go through hard times and it's not because God did it, it's because we made bad decisions and God's helping us through our bad decisions. But even in that, all things work together for good because we love God, we made a mistake, and he's going to cause us to grow out of it. So you, you, the devil can never win if you just keep on this with God. Even when I make a mistake, God's going to use it. Come on. Even when I make a mistake, God's going to turn that around. It's going to turn out good. Okay. So I've got here, what is gratitude? If you're writing down notes, what is gratitude? I've written a few notes here. It is the quality of being thankful and the readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Let me say it again. It's the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. I've written a lot of notes today. I don't normally have a lot of notes, but I'm going to be reading a lot of my notes today. It's the state of being grateful or the position of response for something that's happened to you, something that's been done for you. Gratitude to God is the agreement and the remembrance, the honoring of his goodness. Gratitude to God is the agreement, the remembrance, and the honoring of his goodness. Come on. So what is the opposite of gratitude? The opposite of gratitude is murmuring, complaining, unthankfulness. I want to take you to a scripture for a second. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. This is the children of Israel have had... Can you imagine? Before CGI was created, God bombed Egypt. (laughs) Sounds funny, but he actually did. When you got fireballs coming out of the sky, it's time to wake up, baby. Hail's raining out, frogs are coming out, the river's turning to blood. God turns it up. Flies and locusts, the firstborn start dying. It's not a good day for Egypt. Pharaoh finally relents. Why? Because 400 years of slavery got God's attention. Because God had a plan and no power on the earth was going to hold those people back from purpose. Hello. So they come out of Egypt, out of slavery, and Pharaoh thinks he can fight God one more time. And so he gets all his army together, which was the greatest army on the planet, and they chase them through the desert up to the Red Sea. And we know that God opened the Red Sea and had a pillar of fire holding the Egyptians back. True? The the Israelites cross into freedom, and then stupidly, Pharaoh and his army believed that God was going to hold the sea open for them too. Not happening, Pharaoh. And you can catch up with Pharaoh at the bottom of the Red Sea. So that's the, that's the fast track to that story. <laughs> okay, so what happened was they were massively with great power and demonstration of God's awesomeness set free. And they get out into the desert. And when they're there, they start to make a big mistake. I mean, we know that water came out of the rock and miracles started happening. They started making a mistake where they started murmuring and complaining to God, against God. Now watch this. 
Uh, Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. Yeah, let me break another Old Testament, New Testament misconception. Well, God's happy all the time. Is he? Do you really, have you been there? Do you think he's happy when, what is it, 6,000 babies are aborted every day? Do you think he's just happy? No, he's not happy about that. When God's done great things for you and you choose to complain and murmur and grumble, that's not God's happy face. I know there's conviction in the room, but I'm not going to tell a joke to lighten it because we need to get how serious this is. The reason I'm telling you this, watch this. So it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burnt. Now, this is not the glory meeting fire. This is a different type of fire. This is the same type of fire that rained on Egypt. The fire burned among them and consumed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. That was a bad real estate decision. They got the bad deal, and people started dying. Why? Because murmuring always brings death. Complaining never, ever brings life. Now watch this. Murmuring, I wrote this down, murmuring extends seasons. Do you know what, do you know what happens? Do you know what happened to them? It should have been a three-day journey from Egypt to Canaan. It should have been. I mean, it's a simple journey. doesn't matter how many people you've got. It still takes the same amount of time to get there. Should have been a three-day journey. Because of their murmuring, God would not let them go into the promised land. They didn't doubt. They, they even got to the camp. As we know, that Israel sent 12 spies across. They still wouldn't believe God. And they complained that it was too hard and everything. All the destiny, they, they refused to agree with God because they were busy looking at the negativity. Instead of looking at everything that God had done for them, they were busy at looking at what hadn't been done yet. They were so focused on the natural impossibilities that they hadn't paid attention to the supernatural miraculous that had already got them to that point. And so consistently, it wasn't just like a one-off and God was like, oh, that's it, you're tapped out. There was a consistent murmuring and complaining and rebelling against God, which caused God to become displeased. Why? Stop right there for a second. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. True? It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What that means is it's God has this amazing destiny over your life, and he's disappointed if he can't get it to you. The only way that he can't get it to you is if you refuse to believe him. If you focus on negativity and you focus on all of the reasons why it can't happen, or you just simply refuse to trust God, you're not getting there because it is the floodgate that allows God to be good to you. Your belief, without faith, it is impossible to please God because what? You, anyone that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You have to believe that God is awesome and that he's a rewarder, not a punisher. He's only a punisher if you refuse to believe him. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The, the counter to that or the negative exposure if you're in photography, is all those that do not call on the name of the Lord will not be saved. You've got to read between the lines. There's two sides to this. Come on. This is good. We need to be reminded of these things because we slip into bad habits. And I use this analogy a lot, but man, the day that I went to do my driver's license down at the DMV after we immigrated from New Zealand, I was the best driver in theory you've ever met. I knew which one to be careful because I bought those little test things. What do they call those little things? Those test run uh, tests? Practice tests that you can buy online? I bought some of them. (laughs) And I had the system all figured out. But then you get sloppy and you do the California rolling stop. You see? And you you just forget. You know in theory what you're supposed to do. But as time goes on, you get sloppy. And we have to be reminded that gratitude is a key with God in order to get success. Because what slips on in, and it's not a rolling stop, it's just the beginning of a negative outlook. It's the beginning of a complaint. 
It's the beginning of a murmur. It's the beginning of a doubt of his goodness. Come on, let's get, let's get something today that changes us. I don't want to preach you a pretty little message that took me all day to put together for you to be entertained. I, myself included, I want us all to leave here a little bit different. So murmuring extends seasons. The children of Israel's wilderness was three days. It, could have, it, it should have been three days, but it ended up being 40 years. Have you ever done something or given something so valuable for someone else and waited for their response of joy and appreciation, but it never came? Yeah. Oh, that burns me. I'll do something, like I'll put effort into it, man. I'll put thought into it. I'll plan it in advance. I'll, I'll save up money for it. Or I'll wait for the right time. I'll figure out how to make something happen for someone. And then you're at least wanting to see the joy on their face that you hit the mark and they're blessed and they act like nothing happened. Yeah, that's happened to you, right? Because it happens to me all the time. Come on, come on. You know it's true. That's just a little taste on how God feels. Because God's constantly like a doting father looking to give us things and take care of us and, and fight battles for us and provide for us. And when we do not acknowledge those, but we focus on what hasn't happened yet or what we can't see, we disappoint him. Because everything that God gives you, everything that God does, is actually a seed for you to be grateful for the next, next breakthrough. It's giving you the seeds of faith to be able to connect with God and move into the next thing. You remember David? He turned up and, and everyone was like, you're just a boy. And David's response was this very thing. See, the children of Israel, the, the, the army of Israel in front of Goliath, I've talked about him a lot lately, but I'm going to talk about him again today. The army of Israel stands in front of Goliath and the, Goliath is con- the, the giant is constantly two times a day for 40 days intimidating them. Right? And they, there's no call of them even calling out for God. And David shows up, a boy, they've all lost their, their nerve, they've become cowards. David shows up and he is full of let's go. Let's do this, right? And they like, you're just a boy. And his response shows that he lived a lifestyle of gratitude. And I believe it's one of the reasons why he's known as a man after God's own heart. Because he said, with my God, not with my own strength, he said, with my God, I've slain a lion and a bear and I'm going to slay this thing too. You see, there has to be something in you that is grateful for what God has done in order for who he will be. Come on. This is going to help somebody today. Murmuring, listen to this, murmuring and complaining are the result of focusing on on the negativity you are acknowledging. See, my wife and I, we have this little rule. We'll talk about stuff because you can't be some weirdo Christian that just, oh, don't talk about it because we don't even want to. No, I'm not, I'm not one of those people. I'm going to talk about it. We're going to talk, but I'm not going to give it power. Yeah. We're going to talk about it enough so that we can navigate whatever we need to navigate, but I'm not going to talk about it out of a place of fear. If I'm still in fear, it won't come out of my mouth yet. That's the rule. Because I'm going I'm to let hell know that it's making progress with me. You understand that God can read your mind, but the devil can't? The devil can only speak into your mind, but he can't read it. God can read my mind. So what comes out of my mouth is being listened to by hell as well as God. And if I'm complaining, I'm letting hell know you're succeeding. That's why you need to be really careful what comes out of your mouth. Because what you're actually saying is, God, you're not doing it. Hell, you're doing great. Keep it up. Actually, now I'm telling you where to hit me because I'm letting you know where it hurts. See, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to say it again. I used to box. I used to do several different disciplines. I used to cage fight. And what you do when you're fighting an opponent is you are going to spend in the first quarter of the first round, matter of fact, in the first few seconds of the first round, you're looking for where their pain is. Whether they've got a glass jaw, whether they're going to bleed up above the eyebrow, whether you can take them in the kidney. If you can get them something, if they've got a cracked rib, you're going to figure out where it is real quick. And the second you know where their pain is, the second you can get them bleeding, you don't keep punching everywhere else so that you get a nice even spread. You start focusing in on where it's bleeding. You start focusing in on where that pain is. Why? Because you're going to to keep hitting them until they fall. 
Stop telling the devil he's doing well. And telling God at the same breath that he's not. As you dwell on things, yeah, this is another note I wrote down. When you constantly are acknowledging all the negativity in your life, you're actually giving, I want you to listen to me, you're actually giving a doorway for, for depression. If you struggle with depression in this room, I've got a news flash for you. Your doctors are wrong. Jesus is right. Oh, I don't, you don't understand it? No. I understand the spirit realm really well. Stop saying stuff out your mouth. I know it's hard. I know that you just really need to get it out into your social circle and let everyone know that you're hurting. There's certain times where you need to declare the opposite until it happens. There's certain times where I feel a certain way, things are hitting me, I'm starting to feel the weight of it, but if I start speaking it out, my creative power in my mouth is going to start to literally empower it. So what do I have to do? I have to start speaking the opposite. God's done this for me before, he's going to do it again. Like, I don't talk about it very much, but almost every week I get people calling me with a crisis. You know what I tell them? It's going to be okay. Stop complaining. Stop freaking out. I know this is rough. I know your emotions are feeling very real right now, but Jesus is still walking on water. He got this. Just chill. You get what I'm saying? It's when the devil can shock factor you, and, he, and, and all of a sudden you start creatively speaking like God did in Genesis 1, my life's going to fall apart. Everything's going to fall. I'm going to lose it all. No, stop. You're complaining. God is with you. Oh, Oh, I'm never going to get married. You're literally prophesying a single future. Stop it. Stop it. God's wanting to marry you, single person. He's wanting to get you married. First, you've got to learn to be married to him. Come on, I'm telling the truth. We prophesy more towards death than we do to light. And then we say, well, it's just not working. Yeah, it ain't, because you're working the dark side. That's what witchcraft is, guys. It's just agreement with demons. Yeah. With words. Yeah. Okay. We'll leave that right there. Gratitude to God is not just for the life-saving moments. I want to really focus on this because this is a big one that a lot of people deal with. Most probably, I'm going to go as far as saying all of us. Gratitude to God is not just for those life-saving moments where God comes through. God, I really need to pay this bill. God, I really need to find a house. God, I really need to pay rent. God, I really need a healing miracle, right? We all put God in that category. It's for the moments when breakthrough hasn't come yet. You're going to be grateful? God, I know that you've won battles for me before, and I just honor you right now. I can feel the enemy's breath breathing over my shoulder. He wants to win this, but I trust you. Daniel in the lion's den, what does he do? He doesn't get down there, oh man, oh God, it's come to this, you're gonna, no. He has a worship service in the lion's den. Dude, he's a boss. That's, dude, it sounds funny, but any one of us getting thrown in the lion's den, you have a little worship set, that's next level. How did he get there? He prayed five times a day. Three times a day. It's for the things we take for granted, entitlement, like health, food, a place to call home, a car, a church community, leaders that really care for us. It's the things that we take for granted that we never acknowledge God for. That stuff. There's so many things in our life that we talk about, but then there's things that God's, it's, it's what I said before, it's all those things that God's done for us, but we've never even said thank you. We just act like they were our right all along. That's entitlement. See, entitlement's a big word right now. I think all of us are entitled. And I think God's entitled to more gratitude. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's for friends that are loyal and faithful. Sometimes we take people for granted that are really close to us and we never show them appreciation. 
It's for simple things like uh, clean running water and electricity. The first time I went to Africa, I was so humbled. Because, I mean, the people that were hosting us were very, very wealthy people. But we weren't there for wealthy people. We went out into the slums. Now, you think you know what a ghetto is? You don't. You don't know what a ghetto is. The ghettos in America, I know, there's, I know there's serious poverty. I know that there's sections of America that are like third world, and we need to fix that. Amen. Actually, the church needs to get busy and fix that. But where I went was miles and miles and miles of poverty like we don't understand. For instance, one sheet of little aluminum corrugated roofing, rusty, propped up against a piece of wood and a family of five living underneath. And their little son walking a mile down the road with a bucket to go to the local tap, the, 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 the spigot, to get some water for the family. And everyone's just cramped for miles and miles. And you, you drive through this thing for an hour and a half. You can't drive fast, so that's what takes longer. And all of a sudden, I started to re- realize the reality of my comfort. And, when I, and I just wept. You want to give them your shoes, you want to give them everything you've got. And then you come home to your beautiful apartment with your nice car, your clean sheets, your, 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 your kitchen full of, full of food. See, if you have that every day, you forget how rich you are. You don't have to be very rich in this country to be some of the richest people on the planet. You don't. Someone getting something today? We forget to thank God for the basics, and we just, well, that's just, I got that for me. No, no, you didn't. God allowed you to get it for yourself, but actually, he gave it to you. Okay. It's It's for all the bills that God has helped you pay. Isn't it funny how all up until the point that we pay a bill, we're asking God to help, and then we forget to thank him afterwards? You remember the story of the ten lepers? And I think only one or two came back to thank Jesus. I think there's a deficit of gratitude in the kingdom. In the kingdom. There's a deficit of gratitude, and that's why there's a deficit of breakthrough. And to people around us, the people that serve us, we act like, especially in this country, we're so entitled. We're more, my wife and I noticed it when we came here. But to most people here, it's just normal because that's what you've grown up with. You don't know any different. So you don't see it. But if you've come from another part of the world or you come from another community, another culture, you see it. We're entitled on a national level. The fact that you can walk two minutes and get food, it's easy. And so because... That's why it said it's hard, not impossible, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because rich men and women become self-sufficient and not God-dependent. Why would I need to ask God when I can buy it for myself? Why would I need God when I already have access to that? That's why it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. It's not impossible though. The eye of the needle, by the way, it's not actually putting a camel through a needle. The eye of the needle is actually the smallest gate going into Jerusalem, and a camel can go into it if they get down on their knees. So a rich man has to humble himself and become overly grateful for the privilege of what he has, not for the greatness of who they are. And that's every person in this room. (laughs) Yeah, let, let me say this one. Being thankful for to God and to the and to your husband or wife for who they are in your life. Single people, being thankful for God for your future husband, your future wife. You know, I used to pray for my, my future wife every day. And I used to thank God for my future wife every day. You know what I was doing? I was prophesying awesomeness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when's it going oh there'll be no one left for me. Yeah, well just keep saying that and i I feel bad for you. Thank you, God, you're reserving the best one for me. Thank you that you have someone awesome for me. See, let me say this. If if you're busy complaining your whole single life about the spouse that hasn't turned up, 
You've trained yourself to never be grateful when they show up. Someone needs to get that. You create a lifestyle of murmuring and complaining and you wonder why the devil has a field day. He gives you more stories to complain about so that you can keep getting good at complaining. Make sure that your husband and wife knows that you're thankful for them. Make sure that they know you're grateful for who they are, for what they're doing. Yeah, here's another one. The people that cook for us and do the unknown care and serving. This is a big one in America. You go to a restaurant. Has anyone ever here ever waitressed or, wait, or waited? Hands right up in the air. That is one of the hardest industries on the planet. You know why? Because people are ugly. I'm preaching to somebody now. You say, but I saw myself in the mirror this morning. I was pretty. People can be ugly. They act like you're not a human being. They don't acknowledge that you're a human. They treat you like you're some sort of mechanical robot. So we went out to Palm Springs with our kids this last week, and we just went to McDonald's because little kids love McDonald's. Like, we want, we want the Happy Meal. So we took them there, we sat down and ate, and then I did something that's a little unusual maybe to you, but to me it's important because I'm teaching them principle. At the end of our meal, I brought them up in front of the counter, and I said, say thank you for your meal. Now, you're thinking, but we paid for it. It's our right. Yeah, but there's people there on minimum wage that made it. Come on, somebody. And they need to know that someone cares. And if there's people in the kingdom, we can't live like that, then we need to just stop being hypocrites. See, we only show gratitude when it's good for our PR. (laughs) Come on. We need to be grateful when no one's looking because somebody is. (laughs) Cornelius gave to the poor when no one was looking and it caused all the Gentiles, a.k.a. all of us, to be able to get salvation. (laughs) I'm grateful for Cornelius. I've never even met Cornelius. I'm grateful for that guy. Sorry, I keep bashing this. little shock factor. I'm going to say this. We cannot be truly grateful to God and entitled to our fellow humanity at the same time. It's hypocrisy. You can't act like, I'm so grateful, God, and then you walk up to, to get your coffee and the baristas made a beautiful coffee and they really put passion and effort and you just grabbed it and walked away and like, like they're not even a human being. Or the person at the checkout store. Most people just sit there on their phone and act like the person doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. It's horrible. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate you doing this thing. Just even if they haven't done anything exceptional, show gratitude. Come on. We should be marked as grateful ones. Yep. Yes. We've had so much done for us. We need to show that. The world needs to see some light coming out of us, people. Yes. God's not going to just honor your gratefulness in the room if you're a pratty little bratty little entitled thing out in the world. That's a fact. There should be a sweetness and an honor and a love and a thankfulness coming out of us that causes people to feel touched by the goodness of God. Okay. Are we doing okay, baby? Remember, I've got a little remember note here. Remember what we refuse to be grateful for, we are entitled to and familiar with and will eventually show contempt and disdain for. What we refuse to be grateful for we are familiar with. That means that we just don't show actually real value on what's being done for us. And eventually, we'll show contempt or disdain towards it. Well, I don't even like this car. God hasn't given me a better one yet. I don't even like this house where I'm living. It's... You get what I'm saying? Instead of being really grateful for what I have now, grateful for what I'm earning now, grateful for the car I've got now, grateful for the situation, grateful for the friends I've got now. So now we need to focus. We need to discipline ourselves. Discipline is a word that's not popular anymore, but discipline is the crux of this whole matter. We need to discipline ourselves because here's the the deal. The devil's constantly knocking for an opportunity. Hey, Jesus, did you notice that the Father didn't turn up at Calvary to save the day? Hey, Jesus, you could just make this all go away, just bow down and kiss my ring. Hello? Hello? The devil's constantly, he's going to do that for the rest of your life. Deal with it. 
Come above it. You need to discipline your emotions and your mind and start to focus on minimizing negativity. I see that, but God's coming. I see that, but God's going to be faithful. I understand that that's taken place, but it ain't over yet. It's the middle of the book. You, got it? you get what I'm saying? You have to discipline yourself. Yes, that's happened to me. Yes, I messed up. Yes, that hasn't happened. Yes, I need that. Yes, that's taken place. But. But needs to be big. Get your mind out of the gutter, please. <laughs> Maybe we know who we need to sign up Transformation Weekend now. I'm looking to the ground while I'm saying it. <laughs> so not looking at the negative, focusing on what you have and focusing on your reliance with God. Because the only way that you can get into murmuring and complaining is agreeing with the devil. The only way. The only way that Eve picked up that fruit and ate it was because she had doubt and disbelief and complaint in her heart. Her expression wasn't words that we know of. Her expression was doing something that caused downfall. How did it start? By suggestion. That questioned God's goodness. Complaining and murmuring is the questioning of God's goodness. I'm going to say it again. Murmuring and complaining is the questioning of God's goodness in your life. I know I'm going a little longer today, but we need this. Actually, I haven't even gone over time yet. That's amazing. It's a miracle. The lifestyle of, of gratitude is a constant discipline to focus on what God has done so far and thanking Him for what He has yet to do. Do you notice I said what hasn't happened yet? It's because we can't have that language in our life. On what God has yet to do. See, even that statement is a statement of faith. It's not a statement of negativity. What God hasn't done yet, because maybe I'm missing out, because maybe I'm going to be single forever. Shh. Stop telling the devil what hurts. Stop telling him where he's doing, making inroads with you. Jesus demonstrated a lifestyle of gratitude. Can you show me a single scripture where Jesus was noticed, uh, noted as being ungrateful? A single scripture. That hints to Jesus having an ungrateful position or posture. Not one. He lived a lifestyle of gratitude. Okay. This is my third segment of my message. Gratitude releases blessing, breakthrough, and multiplication. Blessing, breakthrough, and multiplication. Here's three examples. Number one, Matthew 14, and I'm going to start in verse 13. I'm going to read it out. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. They followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them. Do you notice that he wasn't moved with disgust? He wasn't moved with... See, you have to have a good heart to be moved with compassion. He was grateful for the opportunity to demonstrate the kingdom. He was moved for them. He was moved with compassion for them, for them, and he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place. There ain't a 7-Eleven in sight. <laughs> there ain't a kebab shop in sight. There ain't a pita bread place. It's over. Okay? Uh, it's, the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we only have five loaves and two fish. These guys were still learning. That response was from a place of lack and looking at the negative of what they didn't have yet. Hello. Jesus was wanting them to get what they could do now. Positive. You see that? Okay. Uh, You give them something, and they said to him, we only have here five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here. And he commanded the multitudes to sit up down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and two fishes. And what? Looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave it to the multitudes. Now, stop there for a second. In another translation, it actually talks about how he gave thanks. Because blessing and giving thanks is basically the same thing. Thank you, God. He thanked God for the little he had. 
instead of questioning why God hadn't sent a bigger delegation of food. That was the moment of the miracle. It wasn't when they started breaking it. It was when Jesus acknowledged that God had this in control, which he's God, but do you get what I'm saying? He blessed the food. He gave thanks. (laughs) Oh, man, someone needs to get this. Oh, look, oh, we don't have enough. It's not going to work. What, what do you have? Come on now. Elijah comes into town. There's a, there's a woman and her son that are dying. It's a famine. <laughs> it's like, what are you going to do? He's like, well, we're going to make, she says, we're going to make this piece of, this last few cakes, and then we're going to die. Complaining, murmuring, pessimistic, hopelessness. No, no, what you're going to do is you're going to make me one too. And that's going to cause breakthrough. And so they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Hang on a minute. There's five loaves and two fishes, but somehow there's 12 baskets full at the end. Don't you tell me God's not a God of increase. Don't you, t- don't you tell me that when you're thankful and you have great gratitude, that God can't take the little you have and pay whatever needs to be paid, take care of whatever needs to be taken care of, and still there be an excess? Oh, I don't know if God's like that. Well, you need to read the book again. Because over and over and over again, when God shows up, there's an abundance. Okay. Twelve baskets full of fragments that, that remained. Now, those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. What that means is they didn't count the women and children, which probably means it was about 20,000. Okay, point number two. Can I go a little bit off-road with you for a second? So when I was younger, some of you have heard this story, but I'm going I'm to tell it again just for the effect. There was a period in my life where I was so unsatisfied with what I'd grown up in, and I just wanted more, and I started crying out to God. I said, I, I want to see, because I'd had dreams and visions, and I'd had an encounter where I'd met Jesus. I had two angels come in, and they took me in the spirit, and I went up to heaven, and I met Jesus. But that, that had whet my appetite to want to have interactions more with God's world. I wasn't satisfied anymore. Hello, somebody. And so I started fasting and praying that I wanted to hear God's voice clearly. And over a period of six months, I started hearing God's voice. And once I'd figured out how it worked, getting God's attention, I started fasting and praying and saying, God, I want to see in your world. I want to see angels. I want to see heavenly stuff. I want to see what's going on so I can understand your world a little better. Not all the time. I just want to see it when it matters. Right? And so I started, and I was, I was fasting and praying, and I was about six months in, and i just finished driving around praying with a friend of mine at the time, and I got out of the car to drop them off back at their house. We drove around the city and prayed for an hour or two at a time. And um, I got out to drop them off, and as we looked up, I saw his house, and I saw five or six of these balls of light about this big flying around the house, and I'm like, what is going on? And I literally rubbed my eyes, because, you know, sometimes when you think your eyes, you open your eyes, you see little weird stuff going on. I thought that was happening at first, and I rubbed my eyes, and I looked, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And we were actually, his children were having demonic attacks in the night in their dreams, and uh, we'd been praying about that thing. And so I saw these white balls of light flying around the house, and I actually saw these black balls of light being chased away across the sky by one of these balls of light. Sounds weird to you, but this is what I was seeing. And I was tripping out, but what was happening was I was starting to weep. Because my prayer was getting answered. <laughs> and then a green one of those balls of light flew right past me like some F-22 jet. It was a trip. I was, like, I was literally like, whoa. And my friend saw it too at the same time. And as that happened, I was weeping because God was answering my prayer. And I'd been fervently praying and fasting for six months for this. And you know what I did? Instead of looking... While I had the right to keep looking, I closed my eyes and I wept and I worshipped in the middle of his driveway and saying, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for answering my prayer. I'm so grateful. I'm so, and I was weeping. It meant a lot to me because God was touching me with an answer. And you know what happened? I learned something. This was the day I learned about gratitude, really. I opened my eyes and as I opened my eyes, 
I saw hundreds of these balls of light flying around the house now, not just a couple. And I looked over and I saw a 60, 70 foot angel standing over on the front porch with a sword the size of a lamppost, like a, a street light. And the, the, the power of God was emanating out of this angel. So, and I, I grew up not knowing any of this stuff. I grew up in a church that was completely opposite this type of talk. <laughs> I didn't grow up in your prophetic deal. This angel was so powerful and he was facing the north. He wasn't looking at me, he was facing the north. The energy of God that was on this angel literally physically pushed me back from about here into that stained glass window. But that stained glass window where I was was a hedge. Pushed me right into a hedge. And I was level with all of the leaves. Dude, I was bug-eyed like a deer in the middle of the road at night. You know what I figured out that day? That when I have gratitude over little breakthroughs, it gives me legal right to greater access. Come on. Someone needs to get this. I hope I messed with you a little bit because that's my job. Because God's bigger than your limitations. Where's the scripture for lights and balls and things? I can show you later. They're in there. Point number three. I'm getting ready to wrap up here. Is this okay? When you're thankful for God's presence vocally, it increases his presence tangibly. See, too many times we're fighting wars in our mind and not opening our mouth. But the devil's inside your mind saying all kinds of lies. But the second you choose, in the middle, he prepares the table for me in the presence of my what? enemies. God's taking you to uncomfortable places. You've got to choose to worship him and trust him anyways. So when you choose in moments that are difficult to worship God, what happens is where it feels like you're all alone, all of a sudden your gratitude invites God's presence tangibly and it starts to shift the atmosphere. When the atmosphere shifts, the battle turns. Someone get this. When the atmosphere shifts, the battle turns. That's why the, ch- the, the children of Israel would send the Ark of the Covenant out first onto the battlefield. They didn't send their best warriors. They sent the Ark of the Covenant first. Okay, I'm closing now. Is that all right? This is a miracle, guys. It's a miracle. We got there. Gratitude, I wrote this down because it's, just, it's better if I write it down rather than try and say it on the fly. Gratitude reminds God that you love him, depend him, depend on him, and that your appreciation is an act of worship. Yes. Now watch this, I'm going to prove it to you. One of God's names is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, your provider. Now God has different names which actually describe the different facets of his personality. Okay, so if God is expressing himself to you or you need God to express himself to you in an area of, let's say, for instance, provision, you worship him with gratitude because the way you respond to a giver is with gratitude. If you stop responding with gratitude to a giver, guess what? The giving stops. I'm going to say that again. If you, if you stop responding with gratitude to a giver, the giving dries up. Because if you don't show value and appreciation, it shows dishonor and dishonor closes doors. So when we need Jehovah Jireh, our provider, to come and be great and provide for us, right? Or when he has provided for us, how do we do that? We, our, our, our act of worship is gratitude. Hello? It's gratitude. And I've learned that with God because most of the areas that people complain about are provision and breakthrough. And if you need that, we're going to pray for you today. Okay? But we need to shift. More than we need a breakthrough, we need to shift the posture of our heart that chooses to start being grateful. Because once we start becoming grateful as a lifestyle, not just in the bedroom when we need it from God, but in the restaurant, to the waiter, the waitress, to the barista in the coffee shop, to the person at the bank, to the person in the checkout store at the groceries, to the people at the hospital that are taking care of you or someone that you know, whatever that looks like. When we start showing gratitude to our spouse for what they do around the house day to day, 
or what they do out at work day to day, whatever that looks like, when we start doing that, it actually releases reciprocal blessing, which starts turning into a cycle of giving and appreciation, giving and appreciation, giving and appreciation. Does this make sense? It's the circle of life. Mars and Vanya. Someone get something today? So I want to challenge you. Go after gratitude. Fight negativity. Fight complaining. Refuse. Discipline yourself from allowing murmuring to come out of your mouth. Discipline yourself because it only invites death. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? Father, we just thank you for today. And especially today, God, that you would speak to us about gratitude. That you'd speak to us actually about monitoring what comes out of our mouth, Father, when we're feeling pressure. Monitoring what comes out of our mouth when we're feeling like things haven't happened yet. Monitoring what comes out of our mouth, God, even when we start stringing together sad stories. That we would be so careful the way we speak. Because we want your good and perfect will to manifest over our lives. We want, we want our needs to be met by your provision out of your abundance in heaven. In Jesus' name. God, please teach us to be thankful for the little things and not just plead over the big things. God, teach us to have a lifestyle of appreciation and honor and giving to you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. We love you. We're grateful for the little things, God. We're grateful for good health in our bodies. We're grateful, Father, for the the place that we live. Even if it's not our dream place yet, you've given us a place to live. We're thankful, Father, for our job or for the job that we're going to have. We're thankful for our spouse or the spouse that we're going to have. We're thankful, God, for the income that we've got or the income that we need that's coming. God, we're thankful, Father, for the car that we're driving or the car that we're going to be driving. We're thankful for what we've got right now, God, and we're also thankful for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, teach us to be sons and daughters that are known for gratitude in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we love you guys. It's been a good day.